so glad that you're here this morning. We're starting a new series. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, it will be in the month of November uh, in this series. We're calling 30 Days of Gratitude. As you're turning there, uh, let me remind you, tonight we're going to have an orange out. It's going to be a fantastic time, and not just because our guest missionaries are from Tennessee. Uh, we already took care of that on the football field. I just want to clarify that. But we're going to have an orange out uh, tonight, as you've already started to see in the building. Orange Fest is tonight. It's the first uh, time that we've sort of changed it like this. It's going to be a fantastic time. We have had an incredible response from you and Candy and people serving. Uh, over 200 people are going to be serving tonight, and there's still room if you'd like to serve uh, you can't sign up in the foyer this morning, but you can go onto our church website. Maybe you're a guest today, or maybe you're just now getting the announcement. Kingwoodchurch.com. You can go under the uh, 30 Serve, and it'll open up to Oktoberfest. You can go there, and there's some areas that you can uh, sign up to serve tonight. Just sign up. Uh, that email will go to one of our staff. That person will contact you and let you know what time to be here uh, and to be ready. So in, invite. Man, this is like the Orange Fest Blitz. So invite some folks tonight. We are focused this morning on uh, outreach. So we had, you know, our guest missionaries. We're supporting them in Appalachia. And we're also doing the mission of Christ here in Shelby County, reaching out to the families, moms and dads, kids here in our city, and making a connection with them. So it's going to be an unbelievable time. It's going to be unbelievably crowded. So the best thing I can say to you is, you know, get here early and, uh, and, and get ready to go. It's going to be a, just an incredible day. Well, this morning, uh, we're starting our new series. So excited about this series. For seven or eight years, I've been wanting to do a series in November on gratitude, and I just never felt um, th the release to do that. This month, I do, and so I'm, I'm super excited about that. Uh, if I were to ask you, um, or if I were to say to you, what if there were one thing that you could do to make your life happier, more content, less stressed, you would have more joy, you would live a blessed life, would you do it? If I, if I told you there was one thing, now there is one thing, and we're going to focus on it this entire month, you can practice gratitude. Today we're starting this series we've called 30 Days of Gratitude because for the next 30 days I want to challenge you to practice gratitude. And I'll give you a, a, we'll give you some ways later, but let me give you the primary way. I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to accept the challenge myself to post every day at least one thing on Facebook that I'm grateful for for that day. Or if you're not on Facebook or Instagram or something like that, you can journal it. You can write it down. Keep it in the front of your Bible. Write it down somewhere. Something you're thankful for every day for a month. Let's practice gratitude and we'll talk about uh, what that does and what that means. To express thankfulness for your life and for what's in it. Uh, I recently came across an article by Michael Hyatt that he titled, Perceived Scarcity in a World of Outrageous Abundance. And he described this jealous feeling that welled up inside him as he skimmed Facebook 
And he saw people on vacation and selfies and at the beach and at the mountains and in different places. And then it was on Twitter and Instagram. It just seemed like everywhere he looked, he saw people on vacation having fun. And he said, to be honest with you, at some point, the serene beaches and the beautiful lakes and the mountaintop views just started to get to him. He said, I felt like I was missing out. And he said, what was strange about that feeling that when I started to look deeper inside myself is I wasn't missing out because in a few weeks he was about to go on vacation himself. So he said, why do I feel like I'm missing out? And, and he began to describe in this article how it becomes a mentality that if we're not careful, we can easily embrace. We start the day off in the morning thinking, I didn't get enough sleep. We go through the day thinking, I don't have enough time. We fall asleep thinking at night, I didn't get enough done. And throughout the day, we see other people and we become painfully aware of what we're missing. Their looks, their smarts, their talent, their luck, their money, their peace, their creativity, you name it. And he said, the problem is these comparisons are discouraging at best. At worst, they cover up the incredible gifts and blessings that we do have. He calls it perceived scarcity in a world of outrageous abundance. It's perceived because it's not real. There are millions of things we don't have, but there's millions of things that we do have. And it covers up and hides how blessed we are. If we can see through the right lens, we will see, or the right glasses, we will see how blessed we are. That lens is called gratitude. That lens magnifies everything good in our life and shrinks everything bad in our life. Rather than looking through the lens of entitlement or ingratitude that magnifies every bad thing in our life and shrinks every good thing in our life. Practicing gratitude protects us from fear and worry and failure and discontentment. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So this morning I want to invite you to practice gratitude. In your bulletin, you can open it uh, just under the section give and receive at the bottom it says I'm grateful and I'd like you just to take that out or if you don't have a bulletin and you have something to write with maybe your smartphone or something and you just want to list a few things here's what I want to invite you to do during this message for the next few minutes I want to invite you to write down some things that you're grateful for and I've given you just some basic categories I'm grateful people as as you're listening and as we're here this morning in this service together If a person comes to your mind that you're grateful for, I just want you to write them down. Or experiences. Maybe your salvation experience. Maybe maybe a time that God rescued you, helped you, a breakthrough, a a moment of life change, a moment where maybe your direction was changed, a moment your focus, an experience, a season. I thought of this because sometimes as I look back on my life, there are entire seasons that I've gone through that produced something inside my life that I'm now grateful for. And then God. Maybe there's something in God's character. Maybe there's something, uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, something in God that you want to express gratitude for. Just as we're talking, I just want you to write those down. Look, I know sometimes during a service, you've been, you've been running hard all week. Uh, some of you, this is the first time you've sat down and have been still probably in, since last Sunday. And so I know sometimes when you, when you do that, your mind drifts. Here's all I'm asking this morning, is that as your mind drifts, it drifts toward gratitude. And as that happens, 
just write something down that you're grateful for. So let me give you four thoughts this morning about gratitude as you're you're thinking through what you'll write. Here's the first one. Gratitude flows from God's presence. In other words, gratitude doesn't come from accomplishment. Like I just, you know, I just accomplished something incredible. You know, what you rarely ever see is a a guy, uh, the kickoff comes, he catches the ball, he runs a 99-yard return, he gets to the end zone, he doesn't go, I'm so grateful for this. This is a moment of sheer gratitude. Look what everybody else has done for me. Oh, no, he's spiking it, doing the robot dance, moonwalking back, you know, chest bumping. You don't see, there's not a lot of, that's not a moment of, a gratitude doesn't come from accomplishment. Uh, as Scrooge will remind us in a couple of months, gratitude doesn't come from acquisition. It doesn't come from things that I acquire or I possess or I own. Gratitude flows from the presence of God and from God's goodness. Now, we can't produce gratitude. You know, trying to tell somebody, why don't you be more grateful, is like trying to tell somebody, why don't you be more humble. I mean, I can fake it. I can look the part. I can say humble-sounding things. But gratitude doesn't, gratitude doesn't come that way. Gratitude is a byproduct of a worldview that always involves at least three things. These factors come from an old Latin word called uh, B-E-N-E. It is a root word that means good. Gratitude involves three of these. Benefit. So in order to be grateful, I must receive Something, a benefit. Psalms 103 reminds us of the benefits of God. And it also involves a benefactor. In other words, there has to be a gift and there has to be somebody who receives the gift. We get this word, uh, factor, from factory. So this word relates to factory, benefactor, one who does good, one who produces good. So to be grateful, you must believe that God is a factory of goodness. He produces good things. He's the benefactor. And then we have the beneficiary, which is us, the one who receives good. So there's, there's the, the good God who gives good gifts, and we receive good things from him. That's the, that's the way that we're to understand the benefits we have. He's the gift and the giver, and we're the receiver. So when we sense God's presence in our life, when he, our awareness of his work is up, it brings a deep and meaningful sense of gratitude. Uh, I was reminded this week, uh, a friend reminded me, uh, that uh, 10 years ago, uh, I, we, we ran into one another, and he reminded me that in that moment, he felt that God spoke to him and showed him that, that our family would move here one day and pastor. And he said, when I look back on that, the way I, interpreted, the way I interpret that looking back is that in this moment of your life, God was preparing me to stand beside you and to pray for you and to lift your arms up and help you. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. To think that God was working on my behalf 10 years ago to stir up prayer support for me in this moment of my life is unbelievable. 
He, now, here's what he said. It's not awesome that I'm praying for you, but it's awesome that God thought of you so far in advance and continues to think of you today. You know what happened in my life when, when that moment came, when we were on the phone this week and that idea came into my mind? I became phenomenally grateful because I realized that God was setting up support that I would need today 10 years ago. And you know what, you know what happened? I became suddenly so aware of God's presence and goodness. And you know what that produces? Gratitude. I became so grateful in that moment. Here's the second thought about gratitude. Gratitude flows from God's presence. Gratitude grows in humility. Gratitude always grows in humility. In other words, if I believe someone owes me something, what's there to be grateful for? I'm entitled to it. If you give me a car, I would say to you, I'm overwhelmed. I've never received a gift like this in my life. I don't know what prompted it. I don't know what caused it. I certainly don't deserve it. I've not done anything to earn it. And all I could say to you is how grateful I am. I'm, I'm so grateful that you thought of me. I'm so grateful that you did this. But if I went and worked and I went onto a car lot, and I went and bought a car for fair market value, I don't feel any sense to express gratitude. You know, I'm wondering if I really got a good deal or not. That's what I'm wondering in the back of my mind. Did I, did I, really, did I just get ripped off? I paid for the car. I deserved the car. But I wouldn't feel the need to thank you for the car because I earned it. Now, this is the temptation that we battle in our own humanity. We believe our gifts rightly belong to us. And the more we think we deserve, produced, earn the gifts we have, the less grateful we are. So we wonder, how can people who continue to get more and more and more show less and less gratitude because they live under an increasing delusion that they are entitled to it? And that entitlement mentality is in direct opposition to gratitude. So when you and I think, I got the job, I created the product, I put in the overtime, I worked for it. Yes, all of that's true, but who gave you the health to work? Who gave you the gifts to excel? Who gave you the intelligence? Who gave you the personality? Who gave you the opportunity? Who gave you the passion to do it? That's the difference in entitlement and gratitude. We live in an increasingly entitled and ungrateful culture, and the place that I see it shows up most is in our lawsuits. I don't know if you know this, a few years ago, the San Francisco Giants baseball team were sued for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. A psychology professor sued for sexual harassment because someone had mistletoe at a Christmas party. A psychic was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities, she claimed. Now, I'm just sort of wondering if she's psychic. Didn't she see that coming? I think I would have to, you know, rebut that just on the basis of reason. To believers in Christ, and this is what I want you to hear, ingratitude is not just a temptation, and it's not just a challenge. Ingratitude is a sin. It's a sinful thing. And I'll tell you why it's a sinful thing. If you followed our soap 
reading plan this week, you read in the book of James, and you read in James 4, 6, how James tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God sets himself up in opposition to the ingrateful and the prideful and those that aren't humble. Romans 1.21 says this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks. You know, we read over that almost like it's a conjunction. It's not a conjunction. It's a statement. They glorified Him. They neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is a verse about people who knew God. Not about people who did not know God. It's a verse about people who knew God, but didn't glorify Him, nor give thanks to Him. And that lack of glory and that lack of gratitude perpetuated a downward spiral in their thinking that darkened their hearts. So I just want to suggest to you the reason that ingratitude is sinful is because it drags your heart away from God and it makes it ultimately become dark. It darkens it and pollutes it. Ingratitude is not just an issue with gratitude. Ingratitude is an issue with pride. And the ungrateful heart says, I don't owe anybody anything. The grateful heart says, I owe God everything. Without humility, gratitude will never live and it will darken our heart. Now, so gratitude flows from God's presence. Gratitude also grows in humility. Now here's the third one. Gratitude overflows into a life of blessing. Jesus knew what it was like to practice gratitude because of the Jewish customs he received as a child. Every Jewish person was taught to pray uh, two ways. One of those ways was called the 18 benedictions. Remember what that root word means? Good. The 18 good, uh, diction means word or speech. They were taught to pray 18 good words, good things. And so in Hebrew, a benediction was a prayer that began with the word bless. So they would pray the 18 in the morning. They would pray the 18 at night at bedtime. They would pray the 18 in the middle of the day. Blessed are you, Lord, who abundantly forgives. Blessed are you, Lord, who heals the sick. Blessed are you, Lord, who sustains the living and raises the dead. They would train for gratitude by practicing it. Now that sounds legalistic, right? Because if you embrace a rigid habit of doing something in your life too much, then the temptation is to depend on it or to think that you're right with God or you're righteous or, or you're living, uh, uh, you're in right relationship with God or you're better than somebody else because of your performance. That's the temptation, right? We know that. We know that to be true. But what are the risks of having no habits? What about that? What are the risks of not having any ways of uh, of practicing gratitude. Then we're tempted to become ungrateful and proud and independent and we're tempted to become entitled. The good life doesn't come when we have it our way. The good life doesn't come when we win the lottery or we become famous. The good life comes when we bless the one who gave us the life we have. Philippians 4.11 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. 
I'm, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether we're, I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, here's what's fascinating to me. Paul said two incredible things in that verse. One is, he said, there's a secret. Now, you've heard me say recently, you know, God reveals there's not many. Well, there is at least one secret in the kingdom. And it's the secret of contentment. And just to be fair, Paul didn't tell us in Philippians 4 what the secret was. But he said he found it. He found the secret of contentment. If you could find the secret to contentment, bottle it and sell it, you'd blow the internet up. Because we live in very discontent times. Paul said he found it. He doesn't tell us what it is. But do you know what the subtitle of that passage, verse 10 through 23 is. The subtitle is, Paul's giving thanks to the Philippian church for their offering. In the paragraph written to thank them for their gift, Paul tells them about a secret he found to contentment. I think the secret's gratitude. I think he's practicing it as he writes it. Have you ever known a genuinely grateful person who was discontent? I can't think of one example in my life. Paul also said it was something he had to learn. Now, how do you figure he learned it? I would say he learned it the way we learn most things, practice. He practiced it. He practiced it. Matthew Henry is a man who wrote uh, many uh, commentaries. He wrote commentaries on the entire Bible. Matthew Henry once was robbed, and um, the thief got away with his wallet. And when he reflected on that event, later he wrote in his journal... Let me be thankful today. Now, this is the day he got robbed, right? Let me, I, I, gratitude's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm robbed, right? I mean, you get the bill and you go, I owe what? That feels like robbery, doesn't it? No, I paid that. Uh, let alone somebody come up to you with a gun and take what you got out of your pocket. It, it just, gratitude's not the first reaction there, is it? But Matthew Henry said, let me be thankful today because I've never been robbed before. Well, that's good. Let me be thankful because he took my wallet but not my life. It's also good. Let me be thankful because although he took all I own, it wasn't much. And let me be thankful because it was I who was robbed and not I who was doing the robbing. Gratitude is a way to look at something. And it overflows a life of blessing because we see life as it is. In reality. So gratitude flows from God's presence. It grows in humility. It overflows in a life of blessing. And here's the last one. Gratitude explodes in weakness. Gratitude explodes in weakness. If I wait for me to be perfect, to be grateful, how many of you know it's not going to happen? If I wait to have a perfect day until I'm grateful, it's not going to happen. If I wait until circumstances in my life turn out exactly the way I want them to, to be grateful, it's not going to happen. Living a blessed life and seeing things in reality means learning to see the way God sees it. It means learning to see that God's at work even in bad circumstances. Isn't that what the verse means? All things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according. I'm glad it doesn't say good things work together for those that love God and are called according to his verse. 
I'm glad it says all things, as that includes bad stuff and Mondays and days when the car won't crank and when things go wrong and when the kids are sick. All things, somehow, some way, in the mystery of God, He has the authority and the power and the ability to command everything from the four corners of the universe to come together in one spot and work for your good. Now that is an unbelievable thought. There's an old saying that goes like this, only God knows for sure what will turn out to produce good. You ever had something in your life that when it started it looked bad, but in the end it produced something really good? Well, yeah. Everybody's had that. And only God knows the difference. Only God knows when they arrive in our life what they're there for, how long they're going to be there for, and what, what the purpose of them is and what's going, to, what's going to be produced out of it. Now, this probably explains 1 Thessalonians that I read at the beginning of the message this morning when Paul said, in everything. He didn't say give thanks for everything because, frankly, there's some stuff I'm just not thankful for because it's bad and it hurts and it's, right? But in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for you in Christ. We, we're more often, if we're honest, grateful for our friends and our house, and our cars, and our money, and our success, and our jobs, and the opportunities we have. But what would the Bible tell us about being grateful in the absence of some of those things? Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, Not only that, this is interesting to me, but we also rejoice We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our heart through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now that's just a hard verse to swallow but it's hard hard when you are going through something to think about it as something you're supposed to rejoice in. I don't think that God wants us to rejoice in pain. I don't think he wants us to rejoice in negative things. I don't think he wants us to rejoice in brokenness. I don't think he wants us to rejoice in in those things. Those things that are caused by sin, either directly or indirectly because the whole world's broken. I don't think God wants us to rejoice about any of that. I think God hates when his children hurt. I think he hates injustice. All of that. He longs for the day where everything is put back in its right order and all of, all of sin and disease and all those things are wiped away forever. But somehow he says rejoice in our suffering because he's at work in it. He doesn't cause it. God's not the author of many of those things. But he's still at work in it, and if you can't rejoice in it, you have misunderstood that God is greater than it, and he's still at work in it, and it hasn't eclipsed him. And that's what we miss. So, rejoice in our suffering. So what am I saying? Am I saying go out and find some suffering? No. You don't even have to worry about it. It's going to find you. It knows where you live. But thank God... For every moment of peace and freedom and health and and strength and prosperity that you have. Thank God for every breakthrough and every moment of joy and every moment of victory. When things go your way, the day that you can do no wrong, everything you touch seems to work. Thank God and be grateful for it. But 
If the only filter you have to look through for what you're grateful for is the American dream, then you will be grateful when things go your way, but you will be ingrateful and be tempted to become bitter when they don't. And all I'm saying is the Scripture teaches us rejoice in the times that life goes your way, but rejoice in the times that it doesn't. Because there are things to be grateful for even in suffering. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me this morning. And uh, as they're coming, I, I just want to end with this thought. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to point, point somebody out. Doug and Renee Grader, I just happened to see you guys right here this morning. And uh, Doug, you said something. You, you either said it to me or you said it when I was in a group with you recently. That is ministered to me and challenged me in my heart. Doug and Renee have gone through the last several months. They've, they've battled with great medical issues. And the Holy Spirit has just so kindly led them the right way. And they have prayed for healing. And they have, many of you that follow them on Facebook have saw their posts and their updates and their statements of faith and the scriptures that they believe. And God has so faithfully led them and helped them and blessed them. And, and now they're coming out the other side of intense treatment and lifestyle change and all that. Doug, I don't even know if you remember this, but Doug said to me, when we started talking about, okay, looks like this is over now, and you're getting your strength back, and you're recovering, and you're rebuilding, and, and now you're moving on. And let me tell you what Doug said. He said, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I'm a little nervous about that. Why? Because I have found an intimacy with God that this struggle has pushed me into. And I'm just afraid that when, that when the struggle goes away, I'll lose my closeness to God. Wow. Not, yay, I'm free, and yay, it's gone, and yes, yes, of course. Of course there's rejoicing about that. Of course there is. Who wouldn't? But his heart was torn and grieving and saying, but I don't, I found something in Jesus I didn't know or have or the degree I had when I was struggling, and I'm just afraid when the struggle's gone, that, that closeness is going to go with it. And I don't want to lose it. Doug, I'm, that challenges me. Rejoice in suffering. Because every day's not going to be a good one. And everything's not always going to go your way. And everything's not going to turn out. And it doesn't mean rejoice over sickness or brokenness or all of the things. It means rejoice because God's working even when those things happen. God doesn't stop because you can't feel Him or you don't know He's there or you hurt or you wonder or you doubt or you're afraid. God doesn't stop. Thank God He doesn't stop. And so rejoicing in that is just acknowledging that this isn't bigger than Him. He's bigger than it. That's all that means. Okay, so stand with me. Here's, what I, here's how I want us to end this service. Do you have your bulletin? What did you write down? Maybe on your phone, 
What'd you write down? Who are the people or the experiences, the seasons? What is it about God you're grateful for? What'd you write down? Would you close your eyes with me this morning? And would you take a minute today and would you begin to practice gratitude? Would you just begin with your own words? Would you begin with your own thoughts? Would you just begin to say, God, I'm grateful today? Would you do that right now? Lord, I'm grateful today for this church. I'm grateful for this service. Lord, I'm grateful for the strength that I found in friends here. I'm grateful for the people who say I'm praying for you. God, I'm grateful for that. God, I'm grateful for the the testimonies. I'm grateful for people like Doug and Renee who become examples to us. How to rejoice. God, I, I thank you today for your goodness. As I walked in this campus this morning, I felt the goodness of God. I felt the grace of God. And I don't always feel the things I, I want to feel or should feel. But today I did. And God, I'm so thankful to you. Thankful to you. Come on, would you just express it? Just, just, just pray it. Lord, I love you and I thank you. I love you and I thank you. The worship team's going to...